This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, we make good on a pledge millions of Americans made 21 years ago to never forget Never forget the day America came under attack on September 11, 2001, when terrorists hijacked planes they turned into weapons of mass destruction, killing nearly 3,000 people in New York City, in Washington, and in a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, when the heroes on United Flight 93 fought back in a passenger revolt. They had heard about the other three planes that were flown into buildings and did not want to be part of a fourth. The Pentagon was hit. So were the Twin Towers at the World Trade Center, which is our focus today in New York. 21 years after me and maybe you and many of us watched on live TV as those towers collapsed one by one. And there were many other heroes on that horrible day, and you are about to hear from the mother of one of them who was initially known as the man in the red bandana who saved lives in the South Tower as it burned until he lost his. Now, we didn't know his story that day or that month, even that year. It came out later, and then the legend grew. His name is Wells Crowther. Now, we told his story in the Rundown podcast on Friday, but there is so much more to it we could not fit from the conversation we had with his mother, Allison. Today, we're very glad to let you hear it all as we offer our condolences to her and any of you listening who lost loved ones on 9-11. And now we look back 21 years later with Allison Crowther on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us on the Fox News Rundown is Allison Crowther, she is the mother of someone who was a, one of the many heroes on 9-11. As we look back 21 years later, the uh, date on Sunday, um, Wells Crowther, he was in one of the buildings struck by one of the planes terrorists had hijacked, and he was a hero in quite a story that has um, been one of the many great ones out of the horror and the terror of a 9-11. Uh, Allison, very, very good to have you. Thank you very much for joining us. And thank you, Dave, for uh, inviting me on to speak about Wells and, and remembering him. So, first of all, we have to, you know, con- con- offer our condolences for your loss. Um, I'm certain that even though we're 21 years later now, it still has to, to hurt as much, if not more. It does. It's never easy. Um, as much as we try to focus on trying to bring some good out of this terrible story, it's it's never easy at this time of year. And, you know, at least the steering pain, the constant steering pain of his loss is, is 
is dulled now, but around this time of year, uh, you know, of course it's, it fires up again. Yeah, obviously, because, you know, you're telling his story again. And there are people listening now who've never heard his story as the, you know, the, the now the famous man in the red bandana as President Obama and others uh, uh, hailed him and, and paid tribute to him. Um, let's take it back. Tell me, Wells was in the World Trade Center. He worked there, right? Yes, he did. He was an equities trader for Sandler O'Neill and Partners. They were on the 104th floor of Two World Trade Center, which is the South Tower. It was the second tower to be hit. Uh, Wells was um, not only an equities trader, he was a fully trained volunteer firefighter. He'd grown up following in his father's footsteps uh, as a volunteer with Empire Hook and Ladder Company of Upper Nyack. And so uh, Wells actually, we learned, was preparing to go over to help out at the scene at the first tower, the North Tower, the first to be hit. And, uh, you know, at that point, I think everyone was thinking it was an accident or whatever. And uh, so Wells and this other young man who worked for Sam O'Neill, who was also a volunteer firefighter, they started to go down uh, and exit their office building to go help at the other scene. But then, of course, there was a 17-minute... Uh, interval in between the first plane hitting the North Tower and then the South Tower, which me and millions of others, we watched on live television, you know, that the plane actually hit on live TV, which was a, you know, complete and utter shock. He's actually in the building. So you then heard from him, right? A short time later? That's right. Right right after, um, I I think, I'm not... I, I, I'm not, I think it was 9-11 or so um, when I heard from him. So it was after his tower was, his tower was hit. And he said, you know, Mom, it's Wells. I, I want you to know I'm okay. Um, the, of course, my phone, I was at work at the time in my office just starting to hear about this. I did not hear my phone ring. I, you know, communications were totally disrupted that day. Yeah. But at least we... He was able to leave a message. Thank God we have his voice recorded. Thank God. Um, but he ended up, um, he was probably, I know he was in the stairs because in emergency situations, it's just our family knew you never get in an elevator. Plus, all, none, not all the elevators were working from the 104th floor down to the 78th floor, which is the sky lobby. And so I'm sure Wells was in the stairwell. My theory is that he probably had gotten uh, almost to the door of entering into the stairwell when the when his tower was hit because he showed according to the women he rescued he showed no signs of injury right okay so so, so therefore he he wasn't hurt by the impact which others were so right. um I, I know that you didn't know any of what your son did for a little while um, the story that of what he did before the towers collapse, which was uh, less than an hour after the plane hit, the story of what he did was unknown to you. You just didn't hear from him anymore that day, correct? And I'm certain that over as the hours built and when the plane went down, 
I mean, when the when the tower went down, you had you had a sense of dread at that point. Yes. Yeah. As soon as I heard um, that this, this, the tower had collapsed, I knew in my and where I worked, there was no television or anything. It was a, a shop. Uh, I was vice president of sales for this company. Um, and that some of the women that were working there were able to tune into a radio. There was no radio on, on site. But um, yeah, no, I as soon as they came, I walked out and they looked at me all blanched white i didn't know the tower come down and then they told me and 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 i knew oh in my heart of hearts i just knew wells was gone so i called my husband sobbing and he said don't don't think that don't say that he could have gotten out i said how is that even possible that he couldn't could have gotten out my husband said he he had skills and in fact my husband was right he could have gotten out he got all the way down to the ground floor and could have left, but he chose not to. But meanwhile, what went on in between, um, we knew nothing for months. And uh, finally, and that was such a hard place to be because our family needed a memorial service or something. We knew he wasn't coming back. Um, so many families are still left with that, you know, nothing, which is a terrible place to be. Um, so we had a memorial service two weeks after he was uh, after 9-11. And um, so it wasn't until the following March when they were, when they moved the, the original stairs down into the, or the original ramp down into the pit um, that he was re- recovered. Okay. And um, even then we didn't know the full story, except that he was found with the, um, Donald Burns, Lieutenant Donald Burns, he was instant commander of the South Tower. So I remember thinking, yes, Wells, you went to the top, you know, you went to the the right place to do the best you could. And that, n- knowing that much was such a relief because to think that your loved ones was trapped in suffering. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. And knowing the kind of person Wells was, that would have been the ultimate torture and that was so hard how did you find out that he did all that he did to help people and rescue others before he died well my husband i i kept always reading looking watching the documentaries anything i could i was trying to because something was driving me a mother's instinct who knows to keep looking for my child for my son and so uh, my husband couldn't read anything so, or look at anything. He he just was so bereft. And 9-11 killed my husband as surely as it killed Wells. It just took a lot longer. Anyway, um, so uh, Memorial Weekend of 2002 is when the big article in the New York Times came out called Fighting to Live as the Towers Died. And uh, my husband said, here, you may want to see this. He couldn't even look at it. So I took the paper and I started reading it. And I got to the section that said 902 or 903 in the South Tower Sky Lobby. 
the 78th floor sky lobby and I went, oh my God, I knew Wells had been in his office before the plane hit. I knew that his body was recovered. So he had to have been passing through the sky lobby at about the time. Okay. So I, I remember saying to myself, if I'm ever going to see anything about Wells, it's going to be here. So I started reading this article and sure enough, there it was. Two of the witnesses, Ling Young and Judy Ween, uh, made references to this mysterious man wearing red bandana, calling out, you know, with a fire extinguisher, putting out fires, saying there are people who you can help. There's so, There are those you cannot help. Only help those that you can help get up and follow me now. So he was basically said this person was basically setting up a triage. So I said, oh, my God, Wells, I found you. I just knew. It had to be the minute they talked about that red bandana. So, so I what is it? Why, why? Why? When when you see the red bandana and you read that, why does it jump out at you? Um, the reason why uh, I knew it had to be Wells when I saw those references to the red bandana is the end of someone that was obviously a trained with trained firefighting skills um, to be able to uh, direct people and help. It's uh, because. When Wells was a small boy, we were getting dressed for church and we was wearing a little suit. We always dressed for church. Wells said to his father, whom he emulated, Daddy, can I have a white handkerchief for my pocket like you have? Hmm. Wells was probably about seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. And so my husband said, sure, Wells. And he went and pulled out a, a white handkerchief. And then he said, I don't know why I did, but I just pulled out a, a bandana. I pulled out a red bandana. So uh, he folded up the white handkerchief, put it in Wells's breast pocket of his suit jacket and said, now, Wells, this handkerchief, that's for show. Don't touch it. Just leave it right there. Here's a bandana. That's for blow, to blow your nose, for missing jobs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so that's how it started. And from then on, Wells always carried a bandana with him and, and most of them were red. So he always had this red bandana. He had, I assume that he had it in his office. Yes, he did. And in fact, one of his one of his co-workers said, Wells, why, why do you always have that red bandana with you? Tom Rinaldi actually uh, found this out in his research for his book, um, The Red Bandana. Anyway, the, the co-worker said, why do you always carry this, have this red bandana with you? And Wells picked it up and held it up and turned to her and said, with this red bandana, I'm going to change the world. Wow. And so you read about you read about this man in a red bandana helping out. What what did you do? You you read about these. You talk. You hear from these people in the New York Times. What did you do next? Well, what I did was I tried to reach out to the writers who were not terribly helpful. So then I just went and tracked down the two women, Ling Young. Um, I could not find her right away. Uh, she worked for the tax department. Um, but, oh, wait, uh, but Judy Ween worked for uh, Aon. Okay. So I called, this was, of course, over Memorial Weekend. So the Tuesday after Memorial Weekend, I called Aon and said, I, I think that this person that saved uh, Judy is, is possibly my son. Is there any way I could speak with her? And they said, well, she doesn't work. She hasn't come back into New York since this happened. Um, I said, well, I don't expect you to give me her number, but here's mine. And please tell her why I'm calling and uh, have her call me if she think if she'd like to speak with me. So she did. 
that by that afternoon she did. And she told me that she'd stayed in touch. There were about uh, 18 survivors of the, of the Sky Lobby and they'd all stayed in touch at, with a group chat since that happened. So she reached out to Ling Young and Ling responded, I sent photographs of Wells to them and, um, and they identified him. Wow. And, the, yeah, and Wells, was, and, and, and they think that Wells is the reason they were alive. I mean, he, he saved them all. Oh yes, absolutely. It's been confirmed. He saved 12 people at least out of, there were about 200 people in the sky lobby waiting for elevators when the plane was hit of those only, there were only eight, well, actually 19 survivors, but one died soon thereafter. So only really 18 survivors. And of those 18, well saved 12 of them. He, he carried, went, he how, carried, which one of them that you spoke to, he carried her on his back. That's right. That was not one of the women I spoke to because when Wells put, they, he, the first part, what I was able to do and they were able to do for me was piece together the timeline of this. So Lynn Young was the first Wells took took down. And that's, then there was a woman he carried over his shoulder with the group Ling Young was with. They get to about, uh, the, to clear air, which they, where lights were on, air conditioning was on, everything seemed fine uh, in the stairwell. At, oh, and Wells had said to Link, can, when they were up on the 70th floor, can you carry a fire extinguisher? We may need it going down. And she said, yes, she was burned over 40% of her body, but God wow. bless her. Jeez. She's such a trooper. Wow. So she carried the fire extinguisher. Wells carried the woman over his shoulder and other people Ling was with and down they went. At about the 61st floor, the uh, air was clear, lights were on. Uh, Wells put the woman down and said, you have to go on from here. I, there are other people I have to go. I have to go back up and help others. And uh, so the woman, uh, Ling said, do I still need to carry the fire extinguisher? And Wells said, no, you can put it down. You probably won't need it. And Wells went back upstairs. Ling told me that she said to this woman he was carrying, come on, I, we have to go now. And the woman said, I can't, I, I can't, I'm too weak. I can't go. So she never survived. Okay. But but Ling and the other people did. So in, in fact, that's how we figured out the timeline of this, because Wells went back up. He found Judy Ween and the group she was with, directed some other people to the to the stairwell went back into, I guess, to do a final check. And when Judy was coming down the stairs, she noticed where the fire extinguisher was and thought what a strange place for a fire extinguisher. So we know Ling went first, then Judy, you know, Judy came down after. And then he went back up and of course the yes. building collapsed and, and he was gone. Yeah, well, he did go back up, but he got all the way back down because he was found with Donald Burns, the incident commander with the FDNY and his men. And what we learned later through fire uh, FDNY connections was that that group was planning to go back up and cut people out of elevators and do whatever um, and when the tower collapsed. So Wells did get all the way down to ground level. But he wasn't, he, he wasn't going to stop trying to help. Oh, no. He was never going to stop. He was, this was Wells. He would do whatever it takes, and he would never stop. If he survived the collapse, he'd be down there for months trying to help. So that was Wells. He just was very tenacious. So the story, the story then builds and grows and people learn more and more about it. Of course, it's become a a, a legend now. Uh, It's a real story, not just a legend, but it's a real story. Documentaries and books. 
you have made a, a couple of different um, uh, legacy um, drives, I guess, operations since since Wells died. You have a charitable foundation for him and also a project, the Red Bandana Project. Talk about what you've done in his honor over these years. Well, thank you for asking. Uh, the first thing we did was uh, people were giving us donating money. What can we do? Uh, we received $13,000 from a group of fire companies up in Maine. You know, I mean, it's like, wow. So, well, that was so amazing and early on. So we decided to start a charitable trust. Uh, and we weren't quite sure what we were going to do at that point, but we were collecting the money, started it. And so our first effort with the trust was uh, to set up some scholarships at Nyack High School. So we have a red bandana award at Nyack High School every year um, to a young man and a woman um, going off to college who uh, who um, are athletes, um, high honor roll students or honor roll students because academics is very important and they have to have a community service piece. It's not always the fire companies, but other community service. So that was the first thing we did and that grew a couple more scholarships. And then we realized so much money was coming in and his friends were doing fundraisers that we just identified some other uh, fine not-for-profits. Um, the mission of the trust is to uh, assist young people to become exemplary adults through education, health, recreation, and uh, uh, character development. So that's worked very well for us. And okay, we've so that. that's the trust. You also have the Red Bandana Project separate. That's correct. The Red Bandana Project grew from this uh, when a friend of our son, who was an attorney in Chicago, called and said, I'm working with the Fetzer Institute in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and uh, I'd like you to please um, give us a proposal for your next creative step with the Crowther Trust, and you have to include love and forgiveness in this proposal. So I said, well, I know what we need. We need you know, lessons to be developed to teach the lessons that I think would, would be important around Wells' story. I have to call someone first, and I called my now new friend, Vernoy Paolini, who was an honored educator in New Jersey, who had been invited by the 9-11 Museum to choose a subject to write lessons about, and she chose Wells' subject, but didn't wanted to meet with us. That's how we met. So I said to Vernoy, we've got this opportunity. Would you like to work with me? And right away she said yes. We're still dear friends to this day. So we put together a team of educators from New Jersey and New York, developed five different categories of lessons. They're all the same lessons for each category, um, but it's for elementary school specifically, for middle school, high school, sports teams, camps, and youth programs. Those are the five areas. And the lessons are leadership, caring for others, team, the power of one, Bridging Divides, Forgiveness, and Carpe Diem. So that's what the Red Bandana Project is all about. Schools are implementing the lessons. Uh, I travel around the country. I've traveled to Jordan, actually, to speak about our work. Um, and I speak a lot at schools around the country, uh, meeting with students. Uh, it's just been wonderful. And I always discuss these lessons wherever I go. So that's the Red Bandana Project. And happily, Empower, which is a financial uh, investment company uh, for, I guess, for uh, retiree programs. Um, the CEO, uh, Edmund Murphy, is a Boston College grad, 
And they've made a commitment. They've given us $25,000 toward helping us have these lessons um, tested uh, in, in a, an academic environment so that they can uh, be accredited. We can present the, the results of their efficacy uh, to uh, the collaborative for um, academic, social, and emotional learning. And if they accredit it, that will go on a list and then schools will be able to um, you know, feel good about purchasing <laughs> these, these materials. But I've been told by many educators, this is really fine work and it, it doesn't surprise me. So, Well, I'm, I'm sure it is. And Boston College, of course, is Boston College is Wells went to Boston College. He played lacrosse there and every year also. Uh, in the last couple of years, Boston College, they have another one of them this year. They have a red bandana football game this year. Nyack High School has a red bandana football game in honor of Wells on uh, on Friday night ahead of the uh, 9-11 uh, 21-year uh, commemoration. So what does it mean to you when there are those tributes? It's incredible. It just means the world to us. You know, one of the very horrible feelings I had when Wells was first lost was well, is that it? I mean, what happens to Wells now? Does he just disappear off you know, out of people's minds? Or he, he was such a wonderful person. I, it was just it was just such a t- blow and so terrible to think that his life had been extinguished. And yet, when this goes on, um, and students still to this day they learn his story, they're inspired by him. He's very much alive. In the, in the hearts and souls of these young people. And that to me is just an incredible thing. So it means the world, Boston College has been a huge support. Um, the, uh, they also have red bandana games with the lacrosse teams at BC uh, and also in high school, Nyack High School lacrosse, they do red bandana lacrosse games and so does um, Clarkstown South and they raised money for the trust these young people uh, are just amazing. They really want to. Uh, they really embrace Wells's example and spirit, and that is just a huge thing. Um, the uh, Wells's friends from growing up in Nyack and from um, from uh, his time at Boston College have remained loyal and supportive. His sister Honor wrote a children's book for very young children called The Man in the Red Bandana, and that's been selling wildly also for very young children. So a lot of these incredible things have happened. And now Sunday I'm headed, I'm sadly not going to be at the the Nyack High School football game, Red Bandana game, because I'm down in Washington for some events here. Mm -hmm. And one of them is the uh, Premier Lacrosse League, which is a professional lacrosse league. At their semifinals on Sunday, they're giving a Red Bandana award. They're raising money for the trust through through T-shirts and bracelets that are going to be sold. So and then there's a group called that has created a special sneaker that's a Red Bandana sneaker, limited um, limited quality, I mean quantity, excuse me, very fine quality, quality limited quantity um, that they are selling online. Now, all the proceeds are going to go, the net proceeds are going to go to the trust. I mean, it's just fabulous what's happening. You talk about this, but it's 21 years now. All of the students who are going to be at these games, to them, they weren't alive for it. 
If you're under seven, if you're thirty and under, nine eleven is a very different experience for the, you know versus us who are adults watching it on TV and 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 all the aftermath and everything about it. We we pledged back then. People said we can never forget what happened. Is it is the memory fading to some people in your mind? Do you think that the stories are still helping people not forget? I hope so. I hope the stories are keeping it alive. It's it's really um, very important piece of our history. It's one of the most devastating things probably that's ever happened to have civilians attacked at this level. It, it's it's it set a new bar of of criminality and sociopathy with these people that planned it and executed it. Um, we have to understand our our young people, whether they were alive or not for 9-11, have to understand what is out there in the world. It is not all kumbaya. It is not all an unhappy, it's, it's not all a happy place. And there are m- many people out there that are perfectly happy to, to do us harm. And we have to be aware of that. We can't ignore that that threat. And it's just, you know, um, I was going to say something I thought was particularly important. Oh, well, here's one thing. Okay. I learned yeah. I learned that uh, New York State in their new curriculum guidelines, I've, I've received a call from a teacher up in Niagara, New York. He was a history teacher in Niagara. He said, I hate to tell you this. He said, but we just got these new guidelines of curriculum and how to follow in teaching history. And, you know, you spend four days on the Revolutionary War and five days on this war and, the, you know, six days on this situation. 9-11 is not covered at all. Wow. At all. It was, I, I couldn't believe it. And he's outraged, this teacher. I, I mean, I just was stunned. So, um, you know, we can't put our heads in the sand about this. Um, it's a, it's a, we have so many wonderful things in this country. Not everything's perfect, of course, but given the rest of the world, we've got a pretty wonderful country here and we need to work together, not fight with each other. We need to work together to find the best common way to, to make life as, as accessible and good as, and as possible for all of our citizens. And you know, it seems our our Congress is paralyzed now because they're just intent on fighting each other rather than finding ways to work together. This is not a good thing. So, you know. Well, that, I, yeah, I, under, that, I, 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 I can understand that that must uh, be very frustrating for you. But your son's story and the story you continue to tell, at least it helps to give people. Uh, the hope that there is, there's there's good in us. Yes, and that's the power of Wells's story that it gives a, a a touchable example. This was not a rock star. This was not a superhero. This was not a make believe figure. This is a young person that was like these young people today in in many many ways, and um, his example was one of humanity and love and courage, fearlessness, caring for others, and facing facing 
horrible situations undeterred to, to help other people. And that's what, I think that that's the message that these young people really embrace. That yes, I can make good happen too. And I say to the young people when I talk to them, it doesn't have to be at this kind of level but where you're facing a disastrous situation. You can make good happen every day, multiple times a day, choosing to do the right thing, choosing to do the kind or caring thing, helping others rather than choosing the selfish thing. That's how it starts. And and that's how we can change the world. Allison Crowther, the mother of Wells Crowther, one of the 9-11 heroes known as the man in the red bandana. We thank you for everything. We, th- we thank you for your time. We offer our condolences. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Dave. Take care. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.